so I'm uh, just going to go right after it here. I want to talk to you about uh, Judas who betrayed Jesus. And um, again, I usually teach in series. Last week we talked about the potter. This week we're talking about Judas. We'll probably look at the Passover next week unless the Lord changes my tune. But I have a question. The overarching question as we share what I want to talk about today, it's very simple, is how much of Judas is in you? See, I have to ask me how much of Judas is in me. Mm. So let's talk about it. Judas, um, so we're going to look at Judas from the angle of, uh, of Matthew and then John's gospel and just read some things that it says about Judas. Now, Judas Iscariot uh, was one of the disciples chosen by Jesus. You know, Jesus had a night of prayer. And after a night of prayer, he got, he, he came, the, the sun came up and he went out and chose 12 disciples. And one of them was a crook. Now, that's unusual. So uh, Judas had been with Jesus for three years. Uh, He had been with the disciples and saw the miraculous things that Jesus had done. I wanted you to think about Judas for just a little bit. This guy was in the inner circle with the Son of God. And uh, he saw a lot of things that others didn't see. Perhaps he was there when Jesus performed his first miracle, turning water into wine. He was there, he was there when Jesus gave what we call the, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. He heard him teach the deep things of God. He heard Jesus talk about things that, that uh, he would take his disciples aside. And he took his disciples aside there on the Sermon on the Mount. They heard things that others didn't hear. He was privy to those things. uh, uh, Judas saw miracles. He saw crippled people walk. Uh, He was there when when the guy uh, was carried on a couch by his four friends. And they they took the thatch roof off and and, and let him down on ropes in front of Jesus. Judas was there. Judas was there when the woman with the the, uh, uh, issue of blood for 12 years was healed. He was, here, he was there when, when whole multitudes at times, the power of God would come on them and they were healed. Judas was there when, when uh, you know, when Jesus fed 5,000 men plus the women and children, maybe over 10,000, 15,000 people with a little boy's lunch. He saw the multiplication of food. I'm just trying to paint a picture. He was there. He saw this stuff. He, he saw the power behind Jesus' life. He saw Jesus go into the mountains by himself to pray and then come out. He saw it. He was eyewitness. He perhaps saw Jesus walk on the water. Wow. (laughs) Judas saw a lot. Uh, But however, he still went astray. Why? Um, Now, this is amazing to me, and I've seen this all of my life. You can be close to the things of God and it not touch you. It's a strange thing. As long as I've been in this church, we've had children raised in this church who do not walk with God today. They've been around it. They know about it. But somehow it didn't touch them. I've seen many people. Y'all, you can be right around the things of God. You could be on a church staff. See, Judas was on the quote-unquote church staff, right? Huh? Um, You can be around the glorious things of God and it not touch you doesn't affect you. I noticed in, uh, in Paul's life, 2 Timothy 4.10, there was a man named Demas. He forsook Paul. Demas has deserted me, Paul, just before he lost his head, died. Demas deserted me. Why? Because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. 
Crescens is gone to Galatian. Titus is gone to Dalmatia. But Demas, I can almost hear it as Demas. But Demas forsook me. What was there in Demas? What was there in Judas? It was so close yet, yet so far. It didn't touch him. It's an amazing thing. You can be in a, in a service on Sunday morning where the Spirit of God is moving. The worship is deep. The presence is strong. And somehow it not affect your life. If what happens to me on Sunday doesn't affect my Monday, it's, it's something's in me that is repelling it. And that's what happened to Judas. You get that? So how many know we need to watch out for our spiritual life? This is message paraphrase, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. By the way, my notes are on the website, victorychurchraleigh.com. You can find them there. Really simple today. We're just going to read some scripture and talk a little bit about Judas and then make some commitments if you want to. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, message paraphrase, test yourselves to make sure you're solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted now what says, give yourself regular checkups. How many take your car to be serviced on occasion? If you don't, you're going to have to buy a new car every time because you're going to ruin your vehicle, right? You know, we, we, we check up on ourselves physically. We also need to give ourselves regular spiritual checkups. So he says here, give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. That is, be proactive, right? So, you know, we have a hard time. You know what we normally do? We, we forgive ourselves too much. That is, we, we, we discount things that we allow in our lives, and we say, well, everybody has to deal with that. Well, you, we, I need to deal with that. If it's in me, I need to deal with it. Judas had something going on probably since before Jesus called his name. But he didn't let anything grab it. He didn't deal with it. He didn't test it. And it cost him a lot. So as we look at Judas, uh, uh, just be aware that um, from time to time, we need to examine ourselves and we're in the process of change. Listen to Philippians 2, 12 and 13. This is God's word translation. That's the name of the translation. My dear friends, you have always obeyed, not only when I'm with you, Paul said, but even now when I'm absent in the same way, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, it sounds strange for him to say that because we're saved by grace through faith. We're not saved by our works. But he said, work out your salvation with, why would he say fear and trembling? It's God who produces in you the desires and action that please him. But why would he say fear and trembling? Well, fear and trembling because we can deceive ourselves. Uh, my, my worst enemy perhaps is me. And we blame it on the devil. Somebody said he's sitting in the corner crying. Somebody said, well, what's the matter, devil? He says, everybody's blaming me for everything. Really, the person that we need to be most afraid of is us. There's a lot of self-deceived people. You know how I think? People better than me have failed. You know, I've been in Jesus, this will be 45 years. I'm still afraid. I'm afraid of me. I'm afraid of what I could do. And if you ever lose that, there's something you'll never have in God. It's a whole, it's, it's a, a, a reverence of, a reverence for God produces a fear of yourself. Does that make sense? 
Makes me weep. So here we are. Uh, before I talk about Judas, let's talk about a feast. This is really interesting. This is kind of an underlying theme as you read about Judas in the Gospels. There was a feast called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, that's an interesting feast. Let's read about it. Luke 22, six verses. The Festival of Unleavened Bread, which is also called Passover, was approaching. The leading priests, teachers of religious law, were pr- plotting how to kill Jesus, but they were afraid of the people's reaction. Then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the 12 disciples. That is, he entered into league with him. Understand this, Satan always comes on the level of thinking. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober. The Greek word there means mentally self-controlled. And it's really, one person translated that, be free from mental intoxicants. Be sober, be vigilant, be ever on your guard. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. How does he roar uh, to begin with? With thoughts. So he obviously entered into something that Judas had allowed in his life, and that thought just continued to fester. And then it says here, he entered into Judas Iscariot. Demon spirits affect human behavior in 21st century. People just don't call it the devil. They'll call it a bad habit. They'll call it whatever. It's really demon spirits. They come and go. But they have to have something to hold on to. The devil is a legalist. If you give him no no tentacle of your life to hold on to, he can't stay. Judas, there was a thought that Satan grabbed a hold to. Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the 12 disciples. And he went to the leading priests and captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted as they promised to give him money. So he agreed, began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so they could arrest him when the crowds weren't around. So understand again, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This, uh, I want to kind of highlight that real quickly. You know, after Israel left Egypt, um, God instituted the Feast of Unleavened Bread for them to commemorate Israel leaving Egypt um, in haste. And, of course, the Passover feast. It started really with the Passover feast. Of course, you remember Passover. That's commemorating the deliverance of of, uh, the Israelites from the death of the firstborn. It was the last plague that was enacted under Moses' uh, leadership towards the gods of the Egyptians and uh, the death of their firstborn. Their firstborn died one night. And God said, you put the blood over the doorpost of your house and when I see the blood, I'll, I'll pass over you. So they call it Passover. And so the uh, firstborn of uh, Israel were spared. The firstborn of all of the Egyptian homes died. There's a lot of death that night, but Israel was spared. And uh, so it's called the Passover feast as a result of that. And, uh, and then right after that, there's seven days. Now, this, this is the thing. This, uh, this Feast of Unleavened Bread, it's seven days. And so after the Passover... For all of these, all of these hundreds of years now, the Israel, Israelites, when they, when they observe Passover, the next thing is seven days feast of unleavened bread. And to do that, they go through their house every day and they clean it. They're looking for any, anything that would be dirt. Any dirt in their house has to be cleansed. And that dirt is a sign of leaven, of yeast, Ancient Jewish rabbis believe leaven or yeast represented, listen, the evil impulses of the heart. 
So God told the Israelites, clean your house every day, clean all the corners, clean under the table, you know, clean, the, clean right at the door, you know, uh, clean everything, clean around the windows, clean everything. Don't leave a trace of dirt. And it's to remind them, all of us have yeast. And you know what yeast does if you leave it in dough? And they knew, and the rabbis would tell them, uh, get the evil out of your house. And it, the idea was get the evil out of your life. So it was, it was time of, of deep introspection. Uh, yeast, yeast is a fungus. And those that cook and, and, and if you have dough, if you put yeast in dough, what happens? The whole batch of dough rises, right? Because the yeast, uh, uh, it, it sours, it ferments and causes the dough to become much larger. It would be flat, unleavened bread, which they, they, the Israelites ate on the way out of, out of uh, Egypt because they didn't have time for the yeast to rise. That's the reason they ate unleavened bread, and that's what God called them to do. And so again, the yeast changes the whole lump of dough that it's placed in. It contaminates and infects the dough with its fermenting properties. And, and, and in the Bible, yeast is equated with sin. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 5, 6. You're boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? And again, there was a, there was a person in the church in Corinth who was uh, in immorality, a, a very terrible kind of immorality, and he talked about it. And he said, get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you'll be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival, not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. So, you know, he said there, if you've got somebody who says they're a believer, but they're acting like an unbeliever, don't say nothing about it because the yeast will get in the rest of, that, that sin will uh, be attractive and get into the rest of the family of God. Can I encourage you if you have Christian friends who say they're believers, but they're open, openly and outwardly doing things that they know are wrong and sin. If you say nothing about it, you're part of it. And a little bit of that yeast gets in you. And you know what? That's the problem with the body of Christ today. We so want to be liked by everybody that we literally displease God. Mm-hmm. So here's the story of Judas. I had to talk about the yeast first. So um, Judas allowed a little bit of yeast. It corrupted his life. It was undealt with by him. And as you'll find out, boy, this is the thing that shocks me. Judas spent three and a half years with Jesus. Judas is not in heaven. See how quiet it is? You think the man would be there. Jesus said, we're going to read it. It'd be better for that man if he had never been born. Does that shock you? This message is meant to produce a little bit of introspection. So let's go there. Can we read? Can we read the Bible on Sunday mornings? So let's read the book of Matthew. Let's look at what Matthew said about, about Judas and that whole that whole situation surrounding him. Matthew 26, five verses, New Living Translation. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, as you know, Passover begins in two days. The Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. At the same time, the leading priests and elders were meeting at the residence of Caiaphas, the high priest, plotting how to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. 
But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed her. People may riot. We want to do this behind the scenes, of course. And then verse 6, Matthew 26. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman, and this is Mary, we'll find out from the book of John, uh, came in with a beautiful alabaster, a translucent jar of expensive perfume, poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant and when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. We'll read about it further in John. But Jesus, were aware of this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You'll always have the poor among you, but you'll not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. Hmm. I'll tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. We'll talk more about Mary when we read John's, uh, John's rendition of this. Matthew 26, 14. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priests. Now, here's a guy been with Jesus for three and a half years. How would you like to have somebody like that on your team? He's a euphemism. Now, there's a Judas among us, a traitor. How many churches have been ruined and marred by people who said they were, they were with the leadership but talked behind their back? And now that's Judas. You know, I have to stand against Judases in our church in prayer. Say, Lord, don't allow a Judas to fester among us. Somebody who smiles when they're with us but talks about us behind their back. That's, Judas. that's what Judas did. Judas, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priests. Wow, what a big statement. And asked, how much are you willing to pay me to betray Jesus to you? See, he was always thinking about money. Greed had a hold of him. Uh, I wonder what put that greed in him. I wonder why he so loved money that he's willing to forsake the Son of God for it. That's a big deal, isn't it? They gave him 30 pieces of silver from that time on. Judas, Judas began to look for an opportunity to betray Jesus. What we just read, there are four valuations of Jesus. See, we got you know, a good crowd sitting here, people watching online, watching later perhaps than today, which is Sunday. What's your valuation of Jesus? What angle are you coming at his life from? What do you think about him? There were four different valuations from what I just read. We first of all read about the leading priests and elders. They didn't value Jesus very much at all. Jesus was worthy of death to them because he wasn't religious and he didn't, he, he didn't promote their causes. He wasn't after the people's money. He wasn't after prestige. He was after purity and holiness in the presence of his father. How many hear me? Big difference. And, and so that was their valuation, death, Mary, <laughs> now Mary, Mary Magdalene, seven devils cast out of her. She had a lot to be grateful for. Her life was putrid and nasty. Jesus cleaned it up. If you're forgiven a lot, you love a lot. That's what Jesus said, right? So Jesus was worth a year's salary in her estimation at least. And she had an she had an 
She had an alabaster vase of nard. Nard was very expensive. It was imported from India. It was from uh, uh, some uh, vegetation in India. It had to be imported. And the importation costs were very expensive. So think about pouring on Jesus in a moment's time what would cost you a year's salary. Think of how much you make a year. Waste to, to, to the disciples, to those that didn't know, she wasted a whole year's salary on him. See, that's her valuation to Jesus. He's so valuable that, that it's worth a whole year of my time. Isn't that good? Then you got the disciples. Now, the disciples, to disciples, seemingly Jesus was just like everybody else. Why waste? That's what they said. Why waste this on him? But what I hear behind that was Judas' voice. There sure is a lot of money she's pouring on him. That's a whole year. We could feed a lot of beggars. You know, it just takes one bad apple to corrupt the crowd, the bunch. Is that true? And you know, if you're a leader, you need to watch the people. There's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, being objective, telling what you really think and feel, but you do that in the presence of everyone. You don't get just a few aside. And, and disagree and dissent because then you become Judas. Judas got into the disciples' minds. They say, oh, Jesus, Jesus is no different than anybody else. Why waste on him? And then Judas, he had no more value. Jesus had no more value in Judas' life than, than the value of a slave. Exodus 32, I think, 12. The price of a slave is 30 pieces of silver. And that's what the high priest and elder said they'd give Judas if he would just simply deny him. So let's look at a couple of angles here. Y'all good? Let's read again Matthew. Here's, here's Matthew's angle on Judas betraying Jesus. Again, you've got to keep in mind, Jesus, Judas had been on Jesus' staff for three and a half years. Here's a question. We'll come back to it again. Did, did Jesus know that this was in Judas when he hired him as his disciple? I wonder. Why did he let him be on his team? Keep that thought. First day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Matthew 26, 17. The disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? As you go into the city, he told them, you'll see a certain man tell him, the teacher says my time has come and I will eat the Passover meal with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus told them, prepared the Passover meal there. When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the 12. While they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Hmm. You imagine how quiet it got. Everybody's, you know, talking and laughing and joking and talking about their travels and talking about what's going on. And then Jesus, uh, maybe, maybe he took his glass. Huh? But one of you guys going to betray me. Silence. Dead silence. Greatly distressed, each one of each one asked in turn. They went around the table. Is it me? No. Is it me? Matthew, is it me? Mark, is it me? Peter, is it me? All around the table. Is it me? Do you see that in me? Every time Jesus said, no, it's not you. It's not you. It's not you. It's not you. He replied, 
one of you who has just eaten from this bowl with me will betray me. For the Son of Man must die, as the Scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. Judas, the one who would betray him, also asked, Teacher, Rabbi, is it, is it I? Is, am I the one? Jesus said, well, you said it. Can you imagine how the other disciples felt? They'd been walking with a traitor for three and a half years and maybe didn't know it. Judas kept the bag of money. Maybe Jesus asked him, how much came in this week? We got a lot of, you know, I got to feed you guys and we got traveling to do. We got some donkeys to hire. How much money came in this week? Well, it was a little bit low this week. X amount of dollars came in. Can you see Jesus just kind of out the corner of his eye? That's how much? Yes. Yes. Judas, Judas with a straight face? Yes. Jesus cut his eyes at him. I just wonder how many times Jesus cut his eyes at Judas. Susan, I'm going to pick on you. I'm quite verbose sometimes. And all I have to do is look at Susan's face because she's saying, be quiet, Mitch. Or I'm at a restaurant and I feel this thing at my foot. I'm sorry. She'll talk to me about it today. But all I have to do is look at Susan and it's like, I get it. And see, that, that reminds me of and maybe of what it was like for Jesus to look at Judas. I mean, they're, they're doing stuff. He's just kind of cutting his eyes, smiling, a little smirk. Because Jesus knew something the other disciples didn't know about him. Wow. Got it? John 13, here's John's rendition. 18, John 13, am I where I need to be? No, John 12, here we are. John 12, 1, six days before the Passover celebration, Jesus, uh, celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man whom he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar. Now, John goes into much more description here. Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. Mm. The house was filled with a fragrance. Do you know when your heart worships Jesus? It, it affects the atmosphere where you are. Do you know when we come together and worship as believers together, whether it's in an atmosphere like this or at a home group, how many know it fills the room with a fragrance? Yeah, happened there. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said that perfume was worth a year's wage. Oh, he smelled the fragrance. He knew Jesus was there. Hmm. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Hmm. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You'll always have the poor among you, but you'll not always have me. 
And then verse 18, John 13, I'm not saying these things. He was preparing his disciples for his departure to heaven. I'm not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones I've chosen. But this fulfills the scripture that says, the one who eats my food has turned against me. I tell you this beforehand. So when it happens, you'll believe that I am the Messiah. I tell you the truth. Anyone who welcomes my messengers welcoming me. Anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. Now Jesus was deeply troubled and exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. And just as we mentioned from Matthew's, Matthew's account, the disciples looked at each other, wondering whom he could mean. The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Now you know, I'm going to ask John when I get, this was John. I mean, he was writing this. The disciple whom Jesus loved. You know, Leonardo da Vinci, you know, the Last Supper. There's, there's John with his head laying on Jesus' shoulder, you know. Yeah, God bless you, John. The disciple whom Jesus loved, Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Simon Peter motioned to him and asked, who's he talking about? So that disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? Who is it? And Jesus responded, it's the one to whom I give bread, I dip in a bowl. Now, now in that culture, if you had some olive oil with some nice little seasonings in it, like you get at an Italian restaurant, you dip your bread in it and you give it to somebody else, that means you care about me a whole lot. Look at you. You give in the first dip to me. That's what he did to Judas. When he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. When Jesus had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. And that kind of sealed the deal, huh? Then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since G uh, Judas was their treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or give some money to the poor. So he got up and he left. He left at once going out into the night. Now here's the deal. Jesus let Judas stay on his team three and a half years. Why? Why would you let somebody you know is a thief be on your team? I submit to you as a test. Was Jesus giving Judas a chance to change? What do you think? Hmm. Here's another question. Was 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 Jesus believing the best of Judas, even though he knew he had this trait in him, greed? He knew he was a greedy man. Hmm. You see, Jesus, could it be that you come into the family of God? God knows the things in you. Did you know God will use you when you're not perfect? Abraham lied about his wife being his sister so a king wouldn't kill him. Is that true? Yeah, God still used Abraham. Moses killed a man at age 40. God still used Moses. Samson had this lust thing for Philistine women. God still used him. David had this lust thing for Bathsheba and committed adultery. God still used him. Is that true? 
So what about me and you? You see, here's what I think. God will allow you to be used by him. Don't wait until you're perfect to be used by Jesus. He'll use anybody that'll let him. Is that true? And listen to this. Just because the anointing comes on you, that's no sign that God's pleased with everything about you. You know what we do? Do you hear me? How many men of God, women of God do you know that have entered into sin and left the ministry? You know, we just had a a man just pass away recently. Had a large worldwide ministry. They found out he was committing adultery. Nobody knew. Just because God uses you doesn't mean you're doing everything right. Don't forget, God will use anything that'll let him. God used a donkey to talk to the prophet, the Old Testament. Is that true? So see, we tend to get the big head when God uses us, don't we? Well, God must be allowing me to get by with this, this, That's what he did with Judas. Let him stay in his team for three and a half years. I could still see that eye. I could just see him looking at him. But he never said, why did Jesus never say anything to him? We have no account that he did. Maybe Judas was thinking, I got this thing. I got this thing by the tail. (laughs) I I I can pad my bank account here. And then when Jesus said, y'all, I'm going to die, Judas said, I better keep a little more back. So when Jesus isn't here and my source of income's gone, I still have some money in the bank. Jesus said nothing. Why? It's a test. How much of Judas is in you? That's the question. How much of Judas is in me? See, he knows what's in you. He loves you, yeah. I mean, to know Jesus loved Judas. He gave him that little piece of bread. I bet it could have been a tear coming down his cheek, Jesus' cheek. Love you, man. You know I do. Yeah. No one else sees what Jesus could see, perhaps. Nobody else knows what God knows about me. Hmm. How many know this? Now, here's, here's a lesson. God won't do anything about the challenges you have in life until you ask him. Could it be that Judas was so married to greed that it became part of him? And everything was colored by greed, value, how much I can get for it. Even that perfume that went on Jesus' body to prepare him for burial, see? Wow. See, that's the reason we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That's the reason that yeast, you think about yeast put into flour and kneaded and then it swells up. See, one, one little thing in life can trip us up. You get it? So that's the question. I have to ask me, what seeds in me could germinate like leaven and spoil my life in God? 
First Timothy 5.24, New Living Translation. Remember, the sins of some people are obvious, leading them to certain judgment. But there are others whose sins will not be revealed until later. And that was Judas. Hmm? Song of Solomon 2.15. Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. Our vines have tender grapes. My dad had grapevines when I was a little boy. We had scuppernons. Y'all know what scuppernons are? They have real thick skin. We had conquered grapes, really, really juicy and good, dark. We had, uh, you know, the light-colored grapes as well. And, uh, we, you know, when, when my dad made them, he put them up on this frame. You're really about six feet off the ground because, you know, I'm 6'3", and, and they were right there. And, you know, as I aged... As a child, I could finally reach up and grab some. But, you know, the farmers did that so that the large animals couldn't grasp the grapes with their, with their uh, mouths and eat them. But it was the little foxes they had to be concerned about because you got this one little gnarly vine that comes up out of the ground and feeds the whole thing. And it wasn't the big animals. So, so what, what is he saying in Solomon, Song of Solomon 2.15? Catch us the foxes, the little foxes. Little foxes. That spoil the vines. It's not the big things in life that tend to trap us. It's the small things that we allow. How many hear me? You've heard this. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Stay longer than you plan to stay. Make you pay, pay more than you plan to pay. I think that fits Judas, don't you? Hmm. See, sin unopposed leaves a little crack. It leaves a little tentacle that Satan can grasp and say, I got part of you. Yeah, I know you, you think you're good, but you know what? I got part of you. I can jerk that chain anytime I like. That's what he did with Judas. So here's the question. What do I need? What do you need to submit to Jesus? What's the little fox? What's the little thing? What is it for you? What is it for me? It could be pride. It could be jealousy. Hmm. Greed like Judas, stinginess. You ever met people that just, they just don't give. They hoard. Anger, lust, stubbornness, gossip, selfishness, then all kinds of addictions. I talk about these things on occasion. Food addictions, work addictions, drug addictions, sex addictions. I'm going to know we've got a culture full of stuff today. Is that true? And then we come to church meeting like this in a local church, and we want somebody to build us up and edify us. But what we need is messages like this at times that make you look inside. You know, I don't, I don't know about you as I, as I get older. I just want to make sure that when the time comes for me to lay this body down, and I stand before Jesus, I don't want him cutting his eyes at me. And I know by inference, he's talking about something I never let come out of my mouth to him. Here's what you got to know about him. He loves you. He loved Judas. But he respects the will. And he won't take us where we don't want to go. To your demise, he respects the will. Case in points, Judas, huh? This cost Judas his eternity. 
Isn't that something? That there's somebody right now burning in the flame, tormented by the worm, that walk with Jesus. <sighs> that scares the bejeebies out of me. Does that mess with you? Test yourself. Message paraphrase. Check up on yourself. Don't go anywhere but stand up. Y'all get something out of this? I'm going to challenge you. See, in my private times with God, I've learned I got to get real. Any thought, any whim of motive, any desire. I don't want him cutting his eyes at me one day as if to say, I gave you a chance. I want to talk to him now. So question mark, what is it in you? Here's what I want to do as we close today. It's kind of heavy for Sunday morning. Y'all okay? What is, everybody's got an Achilles heel, right? Everybody's got one, one thing. Could be anger. Could be self-centeredness. Could be gossip. Could be anything, really. Could be a fleshly thing. What is that one thing? Have you presented it to God? Say, God, you, you got to help me deal with this. Let's keep our thumb on this thing. Did you help me? I want to invite you to come down today right here, right down front as a commitment. God, I'm not going to let anything stand in the way of me and you and me and you in close fellowship. See, that's what Judas didn't do. What would it have been like if Judas said, Jesus, can I talk to you a minute? You know, my daddy did this. My mama said that. My friend did that. I just love money. I love it too much. I'm greedy over it. Would you help me? You know what I'm sure Jesus would have said? Well, thank you, Judas. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yes, I can help you. Be free. But he didn't do it. So as we sing, I want you to come down. What is that one thing for you? You don't have to say it out loud. See, God knows it. You're coming down and saying, God, today, that thing will never buffalo me. It'll never hinder me. Come on. Come with me. I'm going to do it myself. Come on down. Let's sing. Cut the lights down, y'all. Yeah. Draw me close yes. to you. Yes. Yes. Never let me go. Yes. I lay it all down again. To hear you say that I'm your friend You are my desire And no one else will do Cause nothing else can take your place To feel the warmth of your embrace Bless you. Help me find a way Bring me back to you 
all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are near. All right, so, so you're here. Keep your eyes closed. See, God hears your thoughts. You don't have to tell everybody. See, this is real private stuff that you'd never share with another human. But God sees and knows. So, Father, here we are, open, vulnerable. All of us need you. And I believe we want you. So, Lord, here we are, exposing our insides that one thing that we wrestle with right now. You see it? Now, right where you are, don't say it out loud, but tell the Lord what it is. He hears your thoughts, by the way. Say, Lord, I say it, just do it. Lord, I present this, whatever it is, X, Y, Z, to you. Thank you, Lord, for hearing. I present that. Lord, as we're talking about that to you, talk to him about how it's affected your life. Be real about it. Talk to him about how it wants to mold your life and, and cause you to act in a way that you know you'd, you'd disobey the Lord. Tell him. Say, God, I, I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. Help me. See? Just like we say, help me find the way. just something Lord about honesty that endears your heart thank you for giving us an ability just to be sincerely real right now in spite of us you love us so much thank you so we present this thing to you now sir beginning today now Lord keep keep your hand on us Lord, keep all of us, me included, in a way that when this rises up, so whoa, whoa, see that? Stop it. Don't, don't let it. Don't let it get the best of you at this moment, at that moment. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Let today be a change day for us. May not one of us be like Judas, who hold up and, and, and didn't talk. Let it be different with us. Sing it again. Thank you. You're all yes. I want. Come on, lift your hands and worship. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me.
Now, you know, the stages of breaking the habit is, number one, realizing it's there. Secondly, catching it after you do it again for the umpteenth time. Third stage is you keep catching it, keep catching it, keep catching it, and then just before you perform. So I don't need to do that today. But the first step is self-acknowledgement to God. Right? So, Lord, as we go our way today, help us to practically work out whatever this one thing is. We've acknowledged it to you now. When the pressure's on, the temptation's there. That prideful thing, that gossip thing, that anger thing, that selfish, whatever it is. For every one of us. Lord, if we perform it again, help us to confess our sin You're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from unrighteousness. Help us to keep setting ourselves against this until one day in your grace, it's all wiped away. In Jesus' name.